Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm always reminded when I come back here of, of, of where I began. And I have this picture. I, I know you might find this hard to believe because, like, I, I'm 62, but I know I look 42. The Lord told me that. When I looked in the mirror and my eyesight is now so bad, that's how I think I look. And, and, and I'm always reminded, I don't know why, but I, Pastor Paul, I have this picture in my mind of me being in the old building on Lewis Street. Okay, how many remember when you were young? Boy, y'all are old. How many remember when you were young? How many remember like a certain outfit that you thought made you look? Come on, you had it going on. And, and I remember I bought a white sports jacket that I would wear with jeans and a plaid shirt. And I don't know why this memory sticks in my mind, but I was just, I just needed to know. I needed direction. Nobody would let me preach anywhere. I was trying to go. And I, I remember grabbing Pop at the end of services. I waited till everybody got through and I walked up and I went, Pop, I mean, I just need God to speak to me. I mean, like, I need some help. I mean, and I remember I was wearing that white jacket and, and, a, and a blue plaid shirt. And of course, he did what he always does. He gave me divine direction, which was, well, let's pray. I'm like, I need to hear from God. And I'm reminded that each one of us began somewhere. Broken, needy. When you look at the world around us that is filled with tattoos and piercings, and one of the biggest challenges that young people have today, and this was a new one, it wasn't in our generation. We had the tattoos. How many remember went through the 60s? How many remember all the tattoos? Okay, we had the tattoos, we had the motorcycles, we had the piercings. But there is a large percentage of teenagers in our generation that are cutters. How many of you are familiar with that term? They actually take razor blades and cut on themselves. Not, not to make anything, just to pain themselves. Just to bring pain to themselves. And it's amazing how smart some people are and how foolish they are about seeing the obvious. Do, do you know why people cut themselves? Because they're trying to express externally what they're feeling internally. Our broken culture, a generation of men that have walked away from being fathers, 75% of African-American children are born without a father giving them their last name. 65% of Hispanic. And now, 40% of whites. And a generation cries out. They're crying out through the cutting. They're crying out through drugs. We hear every day about how many people have died from the coronavirus, almost 200,000. Most have died with it, not of it. Do you know 70,000 people have OD'd or taken their life during the quarantine? 70,000. 
What are these people saying? What are they doing? It is a generation that is crying out, going, look at me, help me, I'm hurting. What are they crying out for? How, how do you help someone who is struggling with an opiate addiction, tattooed all over their body, cutting on themselves, piercings everywhere? Where do you start? How many of you know that, that the best place to start is with the person that created them? Okay, There's a, a, a principle in the Bible called the law of first reference. The law of first reference. And what that means is if you want to see what something really means, go back to the first time that it was ever mentioned in the Bible. And so today, I want to talk to you about what I believe, not only that our generation needs and our community needs, but what our Savior's church and every one of us need. Now, many of you know that pastoring is my second life. In my first life, I was a church expert. I was an evangelist. That's when I knew everything about pastoring until I started. I went from being a national expert to a local idiot when we started in Broussard. Because my wife was sitting saying, did you see that, that they weren't even listening to you? I went, no, I thought the message went great. Where is the staff? I don't know, baby. I think we're supposed to lock up. I mean, uh, all of those, literally. She would go, you don't, are you an idiot? And she's not here, so I can say, yes, I was. I just thought if you preached, they would come and they would get better and the Bible would change them and you wouldn't have to walk with them. It's kind of like, the fun of a honeymoon is you get to produce children, but then the real work is when you have to raise children. Okay, evangelist was the honeymoon. Pastoring is the raising. The raising. And so when, when, when we began pastoring, I, I began to realize I mean, somebody could meet God at the altar. They could pray. They could cry out to God. And you, you see the pastor a month later and go, hey, how's Johnny doing? I mean, he got saved when I was preaching there. And he goes, I haven't seen Johnny since that day. He went home. The police got, he and his wife got in a fight. They got a restraining order on him. I went, I thought when I laid my powerful hand upon him and he shook and power came through. It's one thing to produce a child. It's another thing to raise one. And uh, our generation was real good at producing them, but real bad at raising them. Let me say that one more time. Our generation was real good at producing them, but not very good at raising them. How many of you got whooped when you were growing up? Raise your hand. How many of you got beat? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you know there isn't any difference between a whooping and a beating? It just depends on what your mom and daddy called it. Now watch this. How many of you know most children don't even get spanked anymore? But they got produced the same way you got produced. What does that mean? That means it's very easy to keep the same pattern of making them, but it's very hard to keep the same pattern of raising them right. And God has a design. God's design isn't an accident. It is an experiment. As a matter of fact, it's in the first pages of this book. Because after God created everything, before the week was over, 
He created man, and then when he looked at man and he saw man, he had fellowship. It was God and man. That's who it was. And when God looked at everything, a world that was perfect, it's called paradise. A man that was perfect, his name was Adam. God said, the earth is good. The sun is good. The sky is good. The stars are good. The water's good. He created man and he said, it's good. And then he stopped and he said, but something's not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. And so God had an idea in mind. And he created a woman for him. And if you've ever heard me do a wedding, you've heard me say this. And then after God created a woman, he said, it is very good. And all the men said, I'm trying to give you a little love. I'm trying to help you. Okay. And he said, it is very good. And then from there came God's first idea, family. They began having children. You see, family is God's idea. The school system can't replace family. A government check can't replace family. A village can't replace family. How many of you grew up in a neighborhood, if your parents didn't spank you, your uncles and aunts would see you, they'd spank you. How many of you, the neighbors in your And around you were given permission to spank you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It didn't take a village, it took a switch. It took a belt. In my case, it took an extension cord. Come on, how many have ever been hit with an extension cord? Yeah, my daddy would wake up and go, well, where is all the extension cords? I don't know. I don't have any idea where they are. An electrician stole everything from our house. Family was whose idea? Because it's only in the context of family that you can learn how to be a husband and a father. How a spanking actually hurts a little bit now to keep you from hurting a long time later. The wisest man that ever lived simply said it like this, if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. My daddy must have read the message translation. If you spare the extension cord, if you spare the brick, (laughs) he must, but listen carefully to me. Look right here. Nobody's ever come up with a better idea than the one that created all of us. And that idea is family. I love to say it like this. Jesus saved my soul, but the church of Jesus saved my life. When I came into church, I was not raised right. When I came into church, my parents had gone through multiple relationships. When I came into church, my life was a mess. My family was a mess. But I found something in church that I'd waited for all of my life. In my first life, when I was an evangelist, I would speak in public schools, whether it was in the inner city of New Orleans or Houston. Or if it was some nice school like STM or Ascension. And I would always begin every school assembly with all the students saying this one thing. I can tell you what the greatest dream and desire is of every person sitting in this room today. I'm going to tell you what it is. And you know, when, when it's, you know, little white kids, they think, oh, really? Like, you know. You know, you go to Northside, brother stand up like, man, whoa. 
Okay, here it is. And I would say, here it is. The greatest desire of every person in this room, and I'll go as far to say the greatest desire of every person sitting in this room right now, is to come from a happy family or one day give your children one. Where did that desire come from? It was the first thing that God created. He created family. He created family. And ever since he did in our generation, man has tried to recreate it. He's tried to put different partners in it, different reasons in it, different seasons in it. No one will ever improve on God's idea. Family was God's idea. As a matter of fact, I love the way the Bible says it in Psalms 68. Listen to what it says in Psalms 68, verse 5 and 6. He is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of the widow. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in what? Families. And he sets prisoners what? And gives them what? But he makes a rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. What was God's idea when this little broken kid from the black and Mexican ghetto of Houston who knew nothing about what family was like, no regard for authority, had tried everything that I could possibly... It's the same thing for this generation and for you. God wanted to bring me into a family. A family. He wanted to bring me into a family. You see, every father has a family. And there is a purpose behind it all. I love what Psalms 92, this is my favorite verse as I grow older. Come on, how many of you are over 40? How many over 50? How many of you still feel like you're 30? I love you. <laughs> Psalms 92 verse 12 says this, the amplified version, the uncompromisingly righteous flourish like a palm tree to be long-lived, stately, upright, and useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, incorruptible, planted in the house of what? They shall bring, they shall flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. They shall bring forth fruit in their old age. Come on, man, that's us. They shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality, and rich in the verdure of trust, love, and contentment. Read this with me. Everyone over 40, read this with me. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. And faithful to his promises. Those of you that are over 50, 60 years old, you are living memorial to your children, grandchildren, to the people that know you, that God is faithful to his promises. That the best years aren't your young years, but the best years are the rest of your years as you honor God. Can I tell you something that's a shock for a lot of people? Growing old is only a blessing if you lived right when you were young. I went to my daddy's 90th birthday party this week. My daddy's been married five times. He chased women until he was in his mid-70s and on a trip down to Broussard. I looked at him and said, Daddy, why do you want to die not even being married? Leave all your children with that knowing that you're not right with God. He goes, okay, marry me. So I married him. 
Do you know it, it, it's a chore to get people to go and visit my daddy? Because all of his life, for the first 75 years of his life, he lived for himself. He spent his youth on him. My brother, who has now gone to be with the Lord, I called him at my dad's 70 or 75th birthday and said, I called him Poppy. I said, Pop, hey, we got to go. His daddy's 75th. He's bringing in Mexican mariachis, you know. He's going to do what Mexicans do. And, and he said, I am not going. He lived in town. He lives in Houston with him. I, he said, I'm not going. I'm not going. I said, man, you, you, wouldn't you feel terrible if daddy died? Not really. I said, well, look, you got to go. He said, I'm telling you, Jacob, if he doesn't die this year, I'm not going back. My brother's now in heaven and my daddy just turned 90. And so he was sharing with my adult children, thank God, the fact that he smoked weed till he was 61 and drank tequila till he was almost 80. Is it any wonder that nobody wants to be with him? Let me tell you about my mother-in-law. She never moved from the house she was in and she lives in that same house she's been in since she's 18 years old when she got married. All of her children except us live within three blocks of her and they all fight to be with her and spend time with her. One grows old and people can't wait to be with her. The other one grows old and you got to pay people or bribe people or guilt people into being with them. When you honor this book, you become a living memorial that God is faithful to his promises. That's what we are. God's desire is to give every born again child of God three things. And I'm going to share these three things. And even though I have two more pages left in my note, I'm going to stop after this. One, he wants you to be a part of a family. He wants you, God wants you to be a part of a family. You say, Pastor, can, can, can I be a Christian and not go to church? Yeah, but not a very good one. Can you be a plant and not be planted in soil? Yeah, but not a very big one. God wants you to be a part of a family. And families are families. How, how many of you got relatives you can't introduce you have to explain? Come on now. Here comes Uncle Fred. Look, he's going to come around and hug you. Back up. Back up. Okay. That's Aunt Susie. I know she got a mustache, but Aunt Susie has always had a mustache. Mustaches run in the Thibodeau family, male and female. Okay. How many of you got relatives you got to explain? Okay. You can't even introduce them. You just got to explain them. Well, well watch this. That's family. That's family. Every time that I speak in a church, people could walk up to me, and they have, but if I gave you the opportunity, you'd walk up and go, Pastor Jacob, let me tell you something. I was at a church, and then they hurt me. And you know what the pastor did? The pastor just overlooked my son. My son was a better singer than his son, and he put his son singing instead of my son. And, and then they, or, or maybe a legitimate thing. Pastor took advantage. He took money. He, he fell moral. I mean, you could say legitimate things. And that, that's why I can't ever 
join the church because if I do, I'll just get hurt. Look right here. If you don't want to get hurt, for heaven's sakes, don't get married. And all the women said, I wanted to give you your one moment. There it is. Hey, and if you don't want to get hurt, for heaven's sakes, don't have children. They come giving you stretch marks here and leave giving you stretch marks here on your knees. And all of the grandparents said, and we all know grandchildren are a reward for not killing our children. So, so watch this. Listen carefully to me. All people are going to hurt you. You just have to decide which relationships are worth hurting for. If you don't want to be hurt, then you will never have relationship with people because the most hurt person in the world from people is God himself and he made us. Yeah. He made us. God wants to plant every child of God in a spiritual family. Can, can I tell you this? How many of you could say, honestly, Pastor, if I was choosing my family and cousins, there's some I would have left out. Okay, don't point at people. This is church. Just, just, just yes. It, of course, of course there's people we all would have left out. But God put them there because you never would have chose them. Family is meant to stretch you. I, I'm so proud of the journey that, that Pastor Paul and Lynn took and Pop for this to be here. And I'm so proud of the journey that Pastor Jacob and Grace, their spiritual children, have taken to bring this into the future. I was sitting up here and I was looking at, at, at the worship team. Okay? I was looking at the worship team. And over here, the, both of the people, the bass and the guitar player, are probably about my age. They're young. <laughs> Children. And then I'm looking at this up here, and it looks like, like Asian, African-American. You're sitting there going, First Assembly's come a long way. But, but one represents a great past and the other one represents a great future. You can't have one without the other. So I was watching the worship team and you have these two guys that are my age on each end and you have all these young people. Isn't that really the way it's supposed to be? Isn't it really supposed to be the fact that family fights for family and that we fight for the future of our family? Let me tell you, some of you young, younger folks, y'all don't know, back in the day, they used to have businesses and they would say something like this, Boudreaux and Sons. Because the assumption was whatever Boudreaux did, his children were going to follow up right after him. You don't see that anymore. 
Because people don't pride themselves in what their children do. They pride themselves on what they sacrifice their children themselves to do. Because when it comes to parenting, you either sacrifice for your children or you sacrifice your children. And there's no in-between. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. I remember when Pop walked me across these grounds and they were just beginning this building. He sacrificed so that Paul and Lynn could have this. They sacrificed for Jacob and Grace, their spiritual children, so they could take it to the next level. Each one did their job for the next. So here's my question. What's our job now? What is our job now? We were going to bed the other night. Michelle looked at me. She said, why are you smiling? I said, I'm thinking about all of our pastors. I'm thinking about Jacob and Grace. New Iberia is ready for the next 30 years. I said, I'm thinking about Chris and Michelle Reese, our New Orleans Saints. Their campus is covered for the next 30 years. Thinking about Dr. Scott Adams. He's ready for the next 30 years. Our job as parents is to prepare the next generation for the future and not have to be leading, but to be there when they need us, when they are leading. So, so get this. You realize you saw that today. If you don't have the bass guitar and the drummer and the lead guitar, that keeps the rhythm of the whole worship team. If they're off, then these kids that are up here that look like the Jackson three or four <laughs> plus one, okay, that they don't have the opportunity that they can't do what they do because the foundation of what they do is not working. I'm always amazed at people who have the brilliance to see the future. I'm always love old saints of God who can look at the next one coming up and go, yeah. I'm good. Why? Because I know the future of the church is secure. I know the future. God wants to plant us in a family. Here's the second thing he wants to give us. He wants to give us not only family, but he wants to give us faith in him and faith in one another. I'm amazed at the people that call themselves Christians but don't go to church and aren't connected to anybody else spiritually. Now, what's amazing is apparently they have more wisdom than the average drunk. Because all the alcoholics I know, they go at least to bars on a regular basis. Of course, I know Louisiana, we perfected the drive through daiquiri. Okay. But most people who drink don't drink alone. They drink with other people. They drink with other people. It's like spirits and like attracts like. We need faith not only in God, we need faith in one another. And then we need to know that we are providing for a future. A future. You say, Pastor Jacob, how did y'all come up with this term spiritual family? We didn't. Jesus did. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 47. Then one said to him, look, your mother, Jesus is preaching, big crowds out there. Look, they said, your mother, your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But he answered and said to the one who told him this, 
Who is my mother and who are my brothers? You know what they said? Wait till your mama hears that. Mary is going to be all over. You will, Mary will never forget what you said. And he stretched out his hand towards his who? His disciples. And he said, here are my mother and my brother. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. That means if God is your father as a born again child of God, then I am your brother. I'm more your brother. It's bigger than color. It's bigger than where you went to school. It's bigger than the region that you were from. Because God is your father, then I'm your brother. And it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And there's only one king, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Now, let me close with this final thought. How does God build a family? How does he join a church like this together? Look at me. How many of you are grateful we now have more color in this church? How many of you believe that if it stayed as it is and didn't grow, it would be a sin, even as it is today? But let me say that one more time. Okay. How many of you believe that if we don't continue to reach this community, which is a community of color, it would be a sin? Every time I say that, somebody white gets nervous. Every time I say that, somebody black goes, he's a Mexican, he can say anything. Look at me. It is true. It is true. And can I tell you this? What all of these riots and racial tensions that you are seeing, these are people that are trying to express something that they think is an injustice, but they're expressing it without righteousness. There is no justice without righteousness. Hey, if you can't even tell whether a man is a man or a woman is a woman by the way God made them and you're going to try and tell me you want justice? You got to figure out a men and women's bathroom before you come to me and talk to me about that. I'm not going to let you operate on my heart if you can't even figure out which bathroom you belong in. Do you hear me? There is no righteousness without justice and there is no justice without righteousness. Can can I tell you what's sad? Do you know who has failed America? The church. It has. The white church has failed America by not preaching about justice and breaking pride, poverty, and prejudice. And the black church has failed America by not preaching about righteousness and that righteousness is the only way you can get justice. When I was 10 years old, Martin Luther King was assassinated and I marched down the streets of Houston with my father. I can remember it like it was yesterday, those little moments that happened to you when you were a kid. Do you know what those people were doing? I remember the song. We shall overcome. 
we shall overcome. They were praying. They were worshiping. They were singing. None of them were shooting and pillaging because that's unrighteous. There's no justice without righteousness and there's no righteousness without justice. And today, God has called us as the church not to fail New Iberia. And the leaders that have gone before us did an amazing job. But now it's our responsibility. Just like Pop walked me out on this grounds before it was ever built and said, look at what's going to be built. Just as Pastor Paul, he pastored me while I sat here in these pews right now. Now the next generation is to preach. All of that is prepared to reach and preach to the entire community and to change it. How many want to see that happen? I can still close my eyes and see that thermometer that was right there on Lewis Street. You remember that thermometer, Paul? That's Paul. That thermometer was there, and each time it had money, that little thermometer would go up. That building wasn't big as this platform. It was funny just seeing that thermometer go up and up and up and up and up as people gave towards what we what was going to happen here. They did their part. Pop did his part. Pastor Paul and Lynn did their part. And now it's time for us to do our part. It, it, it is. It is. And I, I love that. Because some of you that are here are going to discover things about yourself you didn't even know. I got a call yesterday about 7 o'clock from from. One of our young ladies that works for Love Acadiana, her name is Amy Spidell. Anybody here know Amy? Amy's job, she lived in New York City and she hosted every NBA team that came in, every NFL team that came in. And she put together all of the hotel arrangements and all the accommodations for the tennis tournament that happens there in New York City. What is it called? The U.S. Open. That's her job. When Pastor Tim and Cindy came and joined our staff, she was their friend from New York City. They knew her. And so she came and visited, and right after that, the flood happened. And she volunteered to help. And she never left for nine months. She is now part of our staff for Love Acadiana. And she called me last night, and she said, Pastor... Can I, I'm just calling you to thank you. I said, I said, for what? She said, we did 14 homes in Lake Charles today, cutting trees off of them. And she said, that's not what I'm calling you to thank you for. I said, what? She said, while we were doing the last house, I looked over and there was an 80-year-old lady raking up her yard with trees down around her house. And she sent me a picture of her. And she said she wasn't complaining, she wasn't griping, she was just doing the best she could on her own. I had a chance to go talk with her, share with her what we were doing. And I immediately brought 14 of our workers over and we did her whole yard. And she said, Pastor, I can't tell you what that means to me to represent Jesus to her. 
Each one of us have to do our part. She was so excited. Listen, I've given staff raises of $20,000 and never got a call like that. Do you know why? Because she found a family. And she found people to serve and a place to serve. I am so grateful for the heritage of this church. I'm so grateful to be a part of it myself. And because of that, and because we do believe in spiritual family, Pastor Jacob and Grace have done a great job in these last two years, haven't they? Does anybody know where they were planning on going before they came to New Iberia? Destin, Florida. Have any of you ever been to Destin, Florida? Those beautiful, crystal clean, pristine beaches, white sand, blue waters. It reminds you of the Vermillion. <laughs> but I believe that God shaped and made Pastor Jacob and Grace for New Iberia. I believe that when Jacob was trying to get Grace to go up on the roof of the church by the ACs to see if he couldn't get a little snuggle. Okay, God knew what he was doing. When Pastor Armand was raising up his daughter and training her and watching her in ministry, she grew up. God said, I know what I'm doing. I am training them. I am guiding them. I am directing them. I am molding them. When he went to to the African-American school, was the only white kid there time in his youth. God was shaping and molding his thinking. He was doing all of that and preparing each of them for this divine assignment. But it's been hard ground, hasn't it? New Iberia is hard ground. Do you know what happens to inner cities? We just, because of your generosity, renovated the poorest African-American church on Simcoe Street in Lafayette. There's been 45 shootings in the last four years there. None of them involved a policeman, so you haven't heard about them. 45 shootings. And the pastor there, we are now sister churches with them. And, and because of your generosity, we're going to uh, pay their whole year's rent. And, and we're just excited about partnering and helping them. Pastor Daniel Kelly, Harvest Church. Incredible, incredible man and an incredible wife, incredible woman of God. So because we are doing that, because we, we care for them, we believe as you look and see with Jacob and Grace that God brought them here and raised them up to be here. But it's been hard. Pastor Jacob is the youngest member on our staff. And he's in the hardest ground. He's in the hardest ground. And where they came from before they came here was hard ground. Matter of fact, last week that pastor just completed his divorce with his wife. That's the hard ground it was. Before that, he was in a place that was hard ground. And so, based upon that, and, 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 and I'm being his pastor, Pastor Paul being a father, his father in the Lord, we've asked him to take three months off. He's going to be here on Sundays. But we want to get him rested we want to get him renewed. Hey, we're, he's going to have 
counseling a physical coach, he is going to look like me in three months. Now look, it took 62 years to get this body, so I don't want you to rush. I don't want you to rush. Many men have and have hurt themselves. He's going to be here every Sunday, but we're going to give him a break from preaching. We're going to give him a break from preaching. You know what's sad? When you're a woman and you give birth to something, you get time off. Remember how long it was until women finally got time off for a child? Huh? When you give birth to something like God is doing here. And so as Pastor Jacob's pastor, along with consulting with Pastor Paul and Lynn, we want to give Jacob and Grace a season off on the weekends and helping them refresh and renew. Why? Because our goal is for him to still be your pastor 30 years from now. That's that's our goal. I, I have children, adult children. Matter of fact, uh, one of my adult children was in this last week and I looked at him and he said, Dad, thanks. I'm sorry that I was sick when I was here. And I just looked over at him, over 35 years old, said, Son, you can always come home. Don't ever forget, on your worst day, you can always come home. And he smiled and said, Thank you. said, You might have to pay some rent, but you can always, let's let's get real here. (laughs) You can always come home. So, If you love Pastor Jacob and Grace, let me answer some obvious questions. There is no sin. Trust me. If there was that kind of sin, Grace said she would have taken care of that problem. We wouldn't have. We just feel like with all they've walked through in their duration of the last few years and the hard ground that they've experienced here and the challenges that they've walked through, we want to help equip in these next three months. And you, you know what? I'm an expert at this. When we lost our son five years ago, September 11th, my pastor came in and said, Jacob, we want to set you aside for a month. We're going to send you the best grief counseling in the country. After a month, he said, I want you to go three more months. After three months, he came back and he said, I want you to go three more months. In seven months, I didn't even attend our Savior's church. We want Jacob to be here because he loves you. He loves you. Does he love preaching? Of course. What preacher who doesn't think he's good looking doesn't like to hear himself pontificate? Of course he does. Next week, Pastor Paul will be preaching. And listen, the following week will be Pastor Eugene. You're going to get all of our senior pastors. And I want to tell you, Just so y'all will know, Pastor Paul and Lynn have been an enormous blessing to Pastor Gabe and Broussard. Matter of fact, Pastor Gabe called me two and a half months ago and said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I said, what? He said, I just heard the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. I went, which one of my messages did you listen to? And he said, Pastor Paul preached a message. It was the greatest sermon I have ever heard my entire life. That blesses me. How many that blesses you to know that he's guiding another young pastor? And whenever Pastor Gabe come, hey, Pastor, we gotta ask Pastor Paul. There ain't nothing he and Lynn haven't seen. Ask him, he knows. So he is 
and Lynn have been such a blessing. Actually, I had to call Pastor Gabe to get permission. So Pastor Paul and Lynn will be here for the next three months, just here. They'll preach periodically. Uh, Pastor Eugene is coming. Chris Reese, our own New Orleans saint, is coming. I'll put a helmet come on if that draws people in. I was in the league for a while. It was the Royal Rangers, but I mean, it was, it was kind of a big deal back in the day. Listen carefully to me. If you believe in the future of this church, then you believe every future needs a healthy leader and needs a leader that can tap and go, I, I just need a break, Pastor. I, I just, I, I need a break. I need a break. And so, please, today, I want to encourage you to express your love to Pastor Jacob. Just let him know you love him and appreciate him and, and grace. And just, listen, they're good. They have Michelle and I on one end. They have Pastor Paul and Lynn on the other. And a host of help that we're going to literally help them with through these next 90 days because we want him to be here for the next 30 years. His own father grabbed me last night. He's probably here right now. And he said, um, he said, you know, Pastor Jacob, when, 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 when you were at my house before Jacob ever became the pastor and you said, how do you feel about this? He said, uh, I don't know. I've been around church a long time. It could get hard. And he said, you looked at me and said, He's not alone and we won't let him fail. Yeah. Yeah. So today, I want you to prepare for the next 90 days. Listen, just because he's resting and relaxing, the mission of the church is going to continue to go on. You're going to have some of the best preachers in America come right here and minister to you. Uh, our staff is going to be led by Pastor Don Norman. Pastor Don, where are you? Where are you? Stand up. Pastor Don. Pastor Don has been with us almost 20 years. He's been the CEO, the CFO. He runs everything. He actually has helped oversee the expansion of everything that we've done and handles all the resources that we have. So he is so in, such an incredible leader. He helped in the first six or seven months, everything happening here. Thank you, Pastor Don. So today... Uh, I'm excited. You'll see a little more of me. I hope you don't mind that. I might even bring out the old white jacket. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Thank God for family. I raised six children. But if I could go back and do one thing different, just one. My goal was three things. I'll tell you what they were. One day I'll preach it at a men's meeting. It was for my children to be able to say, I never woke up one morning without my daddy being on his face before God. Secondly, to be able to say, I can't wait to grow up and love my wife like my daddy loves my mama. And my third one was, I want them to be able to say, I don't know what God's like, but he must be something like my daddy. Those were my goals. How many think those are pretty good goals? You know what? I would add a fourth one to that. And my home was a very good home to succeed in, but it wasn't a very good home to fail in. It wasn't. You could come home with straight A's, but you better not come home with a D. 
You could come home and tell us about the great things you'd done, but you couldn't come going, hey, I'm struggling. I just want to quit, Dad. Can I tell you something? I've learned more through my struggles than I have my successes. I have. Today, by God's grace, we want to make this normal. Pastor Eugene has three times been on sabbatical for an extended period of time. Pastor Nick, who planted our new campus in two, three years where 2,000 people took four months off. Michelle and I took seven months off. Can I tell you something that will shock you? It's going to shock you. I'm going to tell you this in advance. When you come out of Bible college and start in ministry, within the first 10 years, 50% of pastors quit. And over the duration of a lifetime, 90% of them quit before they retire in ministry. 9 zero, 9 out of 10. There are very, there are very few Pastor Paul and Lenz who come stay in one place and stay to the end. Very few. Do you know why? Because the devil hates you. He hates your family. And he will do everything to get you to stop reaching the community that God's called you to reach. Today, we want to come alongside your pastors and ensure because the spiritual family and the fathers that have gone before them and are beside them they're going to be here for the next 30 years Father we thank you today Pastor Jacob would you come up Pastor Jacob and Grace Pastor Paul Lynn would y'all come and join me Pastor Don come on don't you love your pastors let them know how much you love and appreciate them Would you stretch your hands out towards Pastor Jacob and Grace? Father, we thank you so much for these two treasured vessels. Your word says this treasure is in earthen vessels. This treasure is named Jacob. This treasure is named Grace. And you shaped them and molded them. It's not an accident they were raised at the foot of Pastor Paul and Lynn's house. It's not an accident that Christopher was his best friend. It's not an accident that you shaped him and called him back to here as a lifetime assignment. Today, we stand with them and we thank you for the gift of God that they are. And we thank you for family. We thank you for family. We thank you for people that love us enough to carry us in our weakest moments till we become strong again, knowing that one day each one of us will be at those moments. We pray for the peace of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God to surround and cover and carry them. And today we bless them. We bless them. Right now, I want you just to speak a blessing over your pastors right now. We bless them with strength. We bless them with renewal. We bless them with refreshing. And we thank you for the grace of God and the gift of God they are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let them know you love and appreciate them.